Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. Yeah, I just want to introduce my wife, Cami. I think most of you are familiar with her from uh, her monologues that she does or her confession of a teen mom. So she's going to be doing the majority of the teaching today. And um, I, I often share this, but a lot of the parent use stuff that I share in here, we're, we really partner in this. And so I uh, just wanted to give her an opportunity to, to, to teach and, and so that you could hear from her because on the subject of communication, I think she's excellent at this. And I know now you're wondering, am I going to do confessions of a teen dad? Um, and I, I feel like she's going to share a story where I don't look very great. And so she's doing a great job of confessing for me already at the front end. But, uh, but really, you know, when we share these things, we don't mind. I mean, it, it's, it is a little transparent for us to do that. But at the same time, y'all, we struggle with this stuff the same way that anybody does. I mean, having teenagers and raising kids is difficult no matter what age they are. And so we hope you can learn from, from our mistakes, even if we don't look great in, in the stories that we tell at times. And um, so I just I want to pray for her. And uh, I'm going to be sharing at the end just some kind of a diary of a youth pastor and give you guys a little bit of insight into why we do certain things in Watershed. So let me pray for her. Heavenly Father, thank you, um, Lord, for this this venue, Lord, that we can talk together as parents, that we can connect with uh, other parents, that we can learn and grow together because we need each other. We need this to be a community. And Lord, I just pray that we would communicate well with each other and that right now you would be with Cammie, that she would speak from her heart, but, but she would speak by your spirit, Lord, empowering her and speaking through her and through your word to us. Um, we praise you and love you in Christ's name. Amen familiar groups so it's not as easy but I'm still a little bit nervous I just have to tell you so if I go really really fast somebody like wave me down because I will do that when I get nervous um I want to start with telling you guys a story once there was a couple that God brought together it was obvious from the first time that they met that God intended them to be a family and so it began with butterflies and roses right until the communication broke down and it was ugly. He got tired of her nagging and stopped listening. She felt ignored. And so she started to take matters into, their own, into her own hands. And by the time their children were teens, they hardly spoke. Each figured, thank you. He's so helpful. Each figured, why bother? Ooh, gosh, I'm really loud now. Why bother? Um, no one's listening anyway. And so... One day, a situation arose, and it was actually a culmination of an ongoing war that was going between them. And the father, the husband, um, wanted to give one of their boys a gift, a major gift. And they had two boys, and the mom did not want him to give the gift to the son. You see, the father favored one son over the other, and the mother would have said she loved both children equally, and yet really in reality, she loved the other child more, and so she felt like the gift that the father wanted to give to the one child should really go to the other child, and she was all kinds of mad. 
So what would you do in that situation? She took matters into her own hands, and she came up with a plan to give the gift to her favorite child. The story's familiar because it's one we find in Scripture, and I love that when we look at the family in Scripture, we often find a study of what not to do, right? You see, basically, God's chosen children blowing it often. And if I'm trying to show you an example of good communication— There really isn't a good one in Scripture, except maybe the Song of Solomon. But I don't know that they were doing a lot of talking in Song of Solomon. (laughs) So the story, of course, is Rebecca and Isaac. And they came together. It's this beautiful story of God choosing Rebecca. and, And the servant of Abraham goes and finds Rebecca. And God just reveals himself. And so she goes and she goes to marry Isaac. And, um... From the very beginning, it's just this story of hope and excitement. And we don't know what went wrong. We don't know if she was a nag or he was emotionally absent. But what we do know is that when children entered the scene, there was division. Because Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Communication in marriage is a challenge, but good communication is essential at, revolve, at resolving conflict. Um, when your kids are little and you disagree over what show they watch or whether they can have cookies before dinner or whatever, the consequences aren't so devastating. But when your kids are teenagers and you disagree as parents, it can seem like so much more is at stake. When conflict arises, we have to recognize that it drives us apart and it attacks our unity as a couple. And this is the story that Jeff was referring to. I wanted to share with you guys. I asked his permission. Um, We were going through the Dave Ramsey stuff and checking our finances and trying to reduce costs. And so we figured out that our landline cost us more than a cell phone. So we had agreed as a couple to go get a house cell phone and cancel our landline, right? Well, it was during a time when Tears and I were just constantly battling. I mean, it was just every conversation was a fight. We were in this big tug of war. And we were somewhere talking to someone, and she said something about my cell phone. And then she stopped herself and looked at me and said, oh, you're here. I mean, the house phone. Well, (laughs) I asked her, of course, what she meant, and she said that she and Dad called it her cell phone when I wasn't around. It took me by surprise because normally Jeff and I would have talked about the cell phone situation. Normally we would have been on the same page and we would have known what each other was thinking. But all of our conversation had been so consumed with this conflict that never ended with tears and I. And every time he and I had a moment alone, I was just angry and venting and he was refereeing between tears and I. And so we never got to the conversation of the cell phone. But I thought I knew what Jeff thought about the cell phone, and I was confident she was wrong. And I was going to show her she was wrong. And so I marched her in to see Jeff, and I don't even think I said hello. I simply said, Tirza seems to think this is her cell phone. I say it's the house cell phone. Which is it? Well, I kind of put him on the spot. (laughs) And I put him in on the spot in front of my daughter, 
And so Jeff had been thinking about this whole cell phone thing. He hadn't recognized that we were saying different things, but he had been thinking about it, and he hadn't really made a decision about the cell phone until I totally put him on the spot in front of our daughter. And so he looked at us both, and he said, well, I think it's her cell phone. And I went, oh, okay, well, and I looked at her, and she's just smug and gloating, right, because she's a teenager, and she got her way, and I said, I guess I was wrong. I guess it is your cell phone, and I handed it to her, and I was so mad, (laughs) and because he hadn't given the right answer, right, he hadn't given my answer, Our communication had broken down on many fronts. We hadn't had time to talk. We didn't know what each other thought. And we put our daughter right in the middle of our differing opinions. Now, it's important for us as parents to present a united front to our kids, right? But it's even more important that we actually be united. (laughs) In marriage, God takes two individuals and he makes one, right? And the hope is, is that we're supposed to be like reflecting the unity that's in the Trinity. But sin broke us. And so really we're not even halves, complete halves. We're broken halves. And so when we come together, there are cracks all in our unity. And I don't know about your house, but most people I know, children are really good at exploiting those cracks in your unity. They're good at dividing and conquering. We call them wedgies at our house. <laughs> they're, they're good at getting in the middle. Tirza wasn't bad, but she had her own agenda, and us being united wasn't a high priority for her. She just wanted a cell phone. We need to acknowledge that our kids aren't as concerned about our unity as we are, and they can be in-house terrorists if we allow them to be. She didn't like that I was going to call her that, but I did tell her. In-house terrorists. Um, And I think it's harder at this stage. You know, I saw the cell phone, the dangers that came with the cell phone. That's why I reacted so strongly. And, And I think that when you disagree, that conflict can blow up when you see just these high stakes. The stakes seem so high. Conflict is inevitable, but anger is a choice. Except for, ladies, when we're hormonal a little bit. I've been angry, and there hasn't really been a choice in it because of hormones, but again, that's another talk. Um, When Jeff gave tears of this cell phone, I was mad, as mad as Rebecca, because I was filled with fear. I saw the danger, and I was afraid my husband was putting my daughter in harm's way. In that situation, I had a choice. I could bury my fears and anger and let them fester in my heart. I could demand my own way. Oh, no, this is not her cell phone. I could be passive aggressive and kind of um, submit outwardly. But then as soon as I saw her put the cell phone down, it could get lost or broken accidentally. You know, I could have sabotaged it. Or I could take a step towards my husband with my hands open and my heart open, seeking our unity. Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. 
In the face of conflict, we have to fight for our unity. That's what I did, and so I told Jeff, I asked Jeff if he would go for a walk with me to talk about what just happened. And in that situation, he had a choice, right? He could ignore me and not listen to what I had to say. He could um, shut down the conversation by telling me his credentials and that he was right and I just needed to get over myself. He could have said he was in charge and he could have done lots of things that would have shut down our communication, but instead he chose to listen. He matched my step towards him with his own step towards me. And so we walked and we talked and we came to resolution of our conflict. Ultimately, conflict is an opportunity if we seek to diffuse it with communication, but it is a choice we make. It won't happen on accident. Communication is one of the keys to good marriage, but we have to choose to communicate. Um, How much time do you guys spend talking to your spouse daily, weekly, monthly? I don't know if you guys are like us, but there's so much to talk about that's just logistics and budget and the kids are here and we're going there and what about this and and all of that, that we can talk a lot and never communicate. Um, Different seasons of life have different challenges in communication. The communication of newlyweds is very, very different than the communication of an old retired couple. It can also depend, be dependent on the people involved, um, whether you or your spouse is an extrovert or an introvert, your different love languages, your different temperaments, your different um, experiences and personality all affect how you guys communicate. Um, we have this communication model um, that I, I did when I was in middle school. I remember memorizing this. And I don't know if you guys can see, but you've got the two people communicating and you have them encoding messages and decoding messages. And you have all of this that can happen to your message in transit. You've got internal noise and um, external noise. And then, если я говорила по-русски, все не понимает, потому что ты не говоришь по-русски. Но если я очень, очень, очень хочу, ты говоришь, ты не будешь понимаешь. If I speak to you in Russian, it doesn't matter how much you want to know what I'm saying. If you don't speak Russian, you don't understand what I'm saying. And I can yell at you, and I can want you to understand, but if you don't speak my language, you can't know what I'm saying. What you say and mean in different situations can mean different things, um, depending on the variables that come in. And we don't have time to talk about all the different kinds of variables in communicating. So I wanted to just take a second and talk about two keys to communication. And those are ones that I think are particularly challenging in our season of life. It's time and energy. How many of you feel like you're running a deficit in time and energy? Yeah, it's hard. I, Jeff and I used to talk after the kids went to bed Now they never go to bed. (laughs) They're up all the time. It has become more challenging to connect. The schedules have gotten more complex. Our sleep is more disturbed. And we have to be intentional about pursuing each other 
And so that's what I want to come back to is being intentional. Being intentional with our time. Developing good communication requires time and lots of it. You have to learn to speak your spouse's language, and that requires a lot of listening. When we landed in Russia, because we were exchange students when we were in college, when we landed in Russia, I knew three phrases. I don't know, I don't understand, and where's the bathroom? (laughs) Now, if they told me where the bathroom was, I wouldn't have understood, because I didn't understand Russian very well. But we were there nine months, and in that nine months, we sat in classes, and I listened, and I listened, and I practiced, and I practiced. And by the end of the year, I could speak Russian, and I could understand Russian. I could go a whole day and not speak English because I'd learned the language. And we have to be that intentional in our marriages. We have to learn our spouse's language. We have to learn What does he mean when he says this? And what does she mean when she says this? Or when she doesn't say this? The words of a man's mouth, Proverbs 18 says, are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It takes time to plumb the deep waters of each other's words and our hearts. We have to make getting time together one of our highest priorities. And we have to talk about something other than logistics and schedule and budget. We have to have fun and laugh together. Do you remember when you used to do that? (laughs) When you used to have fun together and laugh? How do we do that? You have to date your spouse. Now, it might seem like a big goal, but talking 30 minutes a day, really talking, each of us makes small choices every day. At the end of the day, I so often feel like I'm running on empty energy-wise. Um, but you have to, and, it, and the temptation is, right, to, to veg out, to turn on the TV, to pick up the iPad, to pick up a book, to pick up something that doesn't want anything from me and just escape. But that's a choice that has long-term consequences, Instead of escaping, we have to remember that we need to engage with our spouse. Um, some questions we ask, like, what is, your, what is your heart's temperature? Are you hot or are you cold? Are you, you know, where's your heart? And, and another question we ask is, you know, um, oh, I just lost it. What is your temperature and how are you doing? What's God teaching you? That's a good one. What's God teaching you right now? That's not on your paper. (laughs) Keep in mind you want to be married after your kids graduate. That your goal isn't just getting to graduation, but that you want your marriage to last through retirement. And in the same way you're intentional about investing in your retirement, um, I hope you'll be investing in your marriage that same, with that same intentionality. We have at our house, call it, we call it coffee time. We got that term when we were newly married. We had a, we went on a camping trip and a guy held up, his kids were coming, and this was before Jeff and I had kids, his kids were coming to him and he held up his coffee and went, coffee time! And the kids just did this like U-turn and walked away and we were like, wow, that's magic. (laughs) And we loved it. And so we kind of took it and we owned it as ourselves. And coffee time for us, it can be in the morning, it can be in the afternoon, it can be at night, it can involve 
anything to drink. It doesn't have to be coffee. It's just what we call it at our house. But it's that time when we connect, when we talk about something more than just what happened that day. And we really try to speak each other's language. So that's a daily, 30 minutes a day. Try to do it 30 minutes a day. I also want to encourage you weekly, monthly to have a date. There's something about a big block of time, giving it to each other without the kids interrupting. I don't know about your house, but our house, if we sit down and there are four children in our house, if each child just interrupts us one time an hour, that's us continually being interrupted. You know, it's just you're interrupted and interrupted. And so getting away from that context and sitting across from each other and really talking is, is important. And the temptation, again, might be to go to a concert or go to a movie or do something where you can have fun. And I'm not saying that's a bad choice. Sometimes you need to just go have fun. But I want to encourage you to think of the purpose of dating as communicating, is really building that foundation of communication. And then the other idea I had, we had, it was yearly, to try and get away yearly. Jeff and I, when we've gotten to do that, it's been a memory. We still talk about the cruise we took, just the two of us. And it, it's, it, it's great for the couple to get, for you as a couple to get away. And I thought I had, and this doesn't work for us because Gold Rush, obviously Jeff is at Gold Rush. But if Gold Rush, if your kids are going to be gone a week at a camp or something, if you can kind of organize it so that all your kids are gone at the same time, it can be a real sweet time for you guys as a couple. Um, so that's time, being intentional with your time. The other is being intentional with your energy. Like I said, it's so easy at the end of the day to just feel like a dish rag. You just feel like you have nothing left to give, right? Um, I know that's, that's been a challenge for Jeff and I. There's so much to do. And sometimes sitting while everything's half done can be hard in and of itself to just sit and talk when there's so many things that need to be done. Um, and sleep is more precious. How many of you guys are wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep? Like, that is chronic, and it drives me nuts because I, like, have always said I have the gift of sleep and could be a gold medalist if there was an event in the Olympics. So, like, this whole, like, waking up at 2 in the morning wide awake and your brain engages and you don't go back to sleep till 4 o'clock is miserable, and it affects the energy we have to give to each other, right? Um, some things that I've noticed for me is foods that bothered that never bothered me before now all of a sudden do and so I'm having to really watch when I have my coke <laughs> or drink caffeine free and cuz that affects my energy level so diet do look at your diet and then exercise I don't know about you guys but I'm finding as I'm getting older that exercise is becoming necessary because I need those endorphins to make me nice you know, I'll, I'll have one of those, like, mean days, and my kids and my husband are going, hey, are you going to get on the treadmill? It'd be a great <laughs> idea for you to get on the treadmill. Um, but, but even with a good diet and good exercise routine, you can still run out of energy. And it's in those moments that you really have to draw upon the Lord. Um, in Isaiah, it says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Oh, oh just sink on that. Can you imagine having that much energy that you would never grow tired? Oh, 
And then Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you guys need strength renewed? Yeah. How about anybody got a desire to walk and not grow faint? I do. Sometimes I feel like my children are just sucking the energy right out of me. And I need to find renewal in the Lord. I need it every day. And sometimes I need it every hour. I need him to give me rest. Because I can't do everything in my own strength. And neither can you. Um, Jeremiah 2, it says that they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And that's the picture that we are broken vessels. And we run out. Our energy runs out. um, And we need to be renewed with the living water. So how do we do that? We seek renewal daily. Daily spending time in God's word. I know you guys know you should be doing that. I know you're trying to do it, and some days you get to it, and some days you don't. But I've been reading in Revelations lately about, about, I'm studying Revelations, and, you know, the whole lukewarm church of Laodicea, did I say that right, Laodicea, where they were, they didn't realize they were hungry, and they didn't realize their need. Well, if a teenager doesn't show you need something, having a teenager in your house, you know, we need that daily renewal of the Lord to be able to respond appropriately, and that's time in his word. We also need weekly time, and that's the Sabbath. The Sabbath was God's intended way for us to have our energy renewed. And I'm not here to tell you what that looks like for you, but I do want to encourage you We love for you to come to Parent You. We hope you'll come every time we meet once a month. But this isn't intended to be what worship is. You need to be weekly, every single week in corporate worship. Because that's where the Holy Spirit feeds your spirit. And you need it. Your spirit is hungry. And so um, making corporate worship a priority, you can't get it on a podcast There's something, and I don't want to say magical or mystical because those have a negative connotation, but there's something that we don't understand of standing in God's sanctuary with God's people surrounded with worship that feeds your soul. And so I just want to encourage you guys to make, to to figure out what a Sabbath looks like for your family. And if it can involve a nap, love a good Sabbath nap. Um, And then the other thing I just wanted to encourage you for was um, taking a monthly or a yearly day to really connect with the Lord. And maybe you go away and have a prayer retreat. There have been different times when Jeff and I figured out how to do that. Or, or maybe it's just get up and drop the kids off at school and go to a park and spend a day in prayer or reading his word or connecting with him. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I just want to encourage you to try and Look at your life and see where you could figure out a place to put that. Because I do think there's something really precious to, to giving God a whole day of focusing on him. Or a couple of days if you can manage a whole weekend. Communication in marriage is hard, but God is the ultimate interpreter. 
just like when I spoke Russian to you, you guys couldn't understand on your own. And lots of times, even if you put in time, you just don't, your spouse is talking and words are coming out or they're not talking, but you just don't understand. Like I loved it with Rip up here and he was like, you know, no, you can't look at the picture because that's, you can't see that. That's like inside their heart, you know, that picture of seeing deep within. But God knows the heart of your spouse and he can interpret for you. The Holy Spirit can interpret for you. And he can guide you to respond in a way that you might never have thought of responding on your own. Um, All of us at some point in our marriage need an interpreter. We need insight into what the other is saying. We need understanding that surpasses what we can muster ourselves. The Holy Spirit can interpret for us, but we have to ask him for it. Okay, I have to go back to the stories that I started with. And in the end, Jeff was right about the cell phone. Doesn't hurt me too much to say that out loud. He was. I was functioning out of fear. Um, after he listened to me on that walk, I don't think I inhaled the entire time. Um, he still decided to give tears of the cell phone. And he decided to give her the cell phone without the contract and fear-inspiring consequences spelled out for her that I thought she needed. You see, and I've shared this with you guys before, I'm much more comfortable with clear boundaries. I'm much more comfortable with do this and the consequence is this. Um, Tirza loves to say, you know, do you remember the, when Oprah gave out the car and she's like, a car for you and a car for you? Well, Tirza says, I'm the same way with consequences. And a consequence for you and a consequence for you and a consequence for you. <laughs> that I love to hand out the consequences because they give me a feeling of security to know, okay, if you do this, then this is the consequence. So when our kids were little, Jeff depended on me a lot because that's what they needed in those young years. <clears throat> but what the cell phone taught me was, We were entering a whole new parenting phase. And this was his sweet spot because it's the ambiguous years. You know, there's not clarity. What he said to me was, we aren't going to spell out for her every way she could fail. Instead, we are going to believe she can handle the freedom, check on her often, and deal with her inevitable failure. His words terrified me. I wanted to give her rules so she would know what would happen if she failed. (laughs) You see, in marriage, you have this great opportunity to lean into each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, Jeff had depended on me a lot. He'd leaned into me when our kids were little, and they needed those clear guidelines. And now was a season where I needed to lean into him because he was stronger and better at this season of life than I was. Just as he, um, we could maneuver through our differences because we had good communication and we trusted each other. When I think of Rebecca and Isaac, it makes me sad for them. We don't know what their household looked like, um, but the picture we get in Scripture isn't pretty. Instead of leaning into each other, they allowed their home to become a battleground. Their differences divided them and their children suffered for it. I wouldn't have wanted to be married to either of them or to live in their house. Yet, we can be comforted by the fact that even these two broken messes could be used by God. For God used them as the grandparents of the tribes of Israel. 
God used this totally dysfunctional family to bless the world. That gives me a little bit of hope. <laughs> um, if he can use Isaac and Rebecca, he can use your family for his glory. So I don't know what you're struggling with as far as the communication in your household. But I do want to tell you that God is bigger than that struggle. And that tomorrow is a new day. Today is a new day. And you can take your struggle to him. He says, come to me, you who are weary. And you can find rest in him and wisdom and guidance in how to go forward. You can take your mess and ask for the Lord's redemption. And then I'm sure there are some of you here that, that are single for whatever reason or your husband or wife is not engaged. And I just want to encourage you to that, you know, communication affects us in lots of different levels and lots of different relationships. Specifically, we spoke to couples in here. But I do think that any relationship that you want, that you draw upon, you need that time and that energy. And so I, I hope that there's something in that that you can find that is helpful to you. So let me pray for us. Dear God, we just come before you and praise you that you are the word. You are the word made flesh and communication was born of you. And I just praise you for each person here. And I pray for our marriages and I pray that we would honor you in our love of our spouses and that you would be glorified. Because Lord, our teenagers need the foundation of a couple that is unified they need the foundation of a family that, that is working together and not against each other. And so I just pray that where there is conflict, you will make peace. And that we will come to you and ask you for that peace. And that you will be glorified in our homes. So that the world can see that you are God. And that we Christians can be different because of your presence in our home. And they can want you because they see the peace in our homes. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that. I uh, that was not my most shining moment, you know, the whole cell phone thing. That was uh, I don't usually step in it quite that bad, although it does happen. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit now and just talk a little bit about um, watershed, a little bit about youth ministry. It gives me an opportunity to. To share some things. Some of you, you know, maybe your kids are, are totally engaged and involved in youth ministry here. Some of you maybe have younger kids and you don't even know what you think about youth ministry. Um, but as a, as a youth pastor, I just want to make sure that you understand that we, how we're thinking and why we do things that we do, because sometimes that can come up. And it came up even in my own household. As Cammy and I were talking, we just got back from a ski trip, for example. And, you know, for Cammie, to, she can say, well, why do you go skiing like, as a youth ministry? That's kind of a, you know, it's, it can seem extravagant to do something like that. Uh, I, I remember years ago, I was uh, at a different church, and I got a phone call from a dad, and it was, we were getting ready for this big event Sunday night, and it was a muck fest, and the Young Lifes around here do that. Some of you may be familiar with that, um, and Student Venture does it too. And it's, a muck fest is like a, just a massive food fight that teens have. You know, you just arm them with mustard and coffee grounds and eggs and all kinds of nasty stuff, and they just go at it and have fun. And this dad was on the phone with me, and he was like, why 
you know, he kind of, basically, he was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And then he, he ended the conversation with, well, my kids won't be there, but when you're going to get serious and, do the, and, you know, study the Bible, they'll be there next time. But we're not really interested in this muckfest thing. And I understand that, that you may be wondering the same thing. You know, when you look at some of the things we do at Watershed or any youth ministry, really, you may say, why do you even bother to do that? That seems like a lot of energy that can go into this, and, and why would you even bother to do something like that? And I do think that's a fair question. Why do we put time and energy into things that are not traditional churchy things, like a ski trip? Or, for example, this last Sunday night, we had Candy Crush, is what we called it. It was a big event. We had a chocolate fountain. We had a sugar cereal bar, which I loved, by the way. You know, I didn't get a half sugar cereal when I was growing up, so like I was just stayed, and I ate like four bowls of cereal, you know, planted myself right there at the sugar cereal bar. And, you know, we do, we do things like that, and then we, we had a student share uh, and do some teaching as well, and we often do worship when we, when we, in that context. But it's still, you, you can have that question, and I think it's a fair question. So uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, it says this, and this, this may help answer the question. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Now, this, this actually begs to a deeper question, why does youth ministry exist? Okay, you could say that, and, and that's a much longer answer than I have time for right now. But I do want to just mention, why do we have youth ministry? If you kind of step back from it, there's a, there's a subculture, especially in America, that has developed around teenagers. And whether we like it or not, we can say, I don't like this subculture, I don't like it that it exists, but it does. And they're at a unique place and time in their life. And at my calling, and the calling of most of my staff, is to be like a missionary to this subculture. Now, if I was to go to another country and not learn the language and live as an American and not do anything they did, not try to understand their culture, not try to get down on their level, you would think that was unusual, that I was trying to minister to them and stay completely separate and different. And yet... What we do in youth ministry is we try to communicate with them on a level that they can age appropriately understand and things like that. But there's, there's a, especially with these fun events, what we're doing is the purpose of those events, there's several purposes actually, and, and we are trying to get in there with that subculture. And the main purpose for some of those things is outreach, okay? And that's uh, the, the thing that we're doing when we have an event like that is we're trying to lower the barrier that a non-Christian might want to come to. If you say, hey, come with me to this Bible study, and they have a friend who's a non-believer, there's a little bit of a barrier there. But if you say, hey, come to me and go skiing, well, hey, that sounds like a, that I might want to go do that. Oh, and by the way, you're with a bunch of Christians and my youth pastor and all this, but they don't care because they just really want to go skiing. Um, and, and I use that as an example because, well, let me, let me give you all the different reasons first. That the... The barrier that can be crossed 
by that. The ski trip, for example, this ski trip we just went on, we had three Jewish boys go on the ski trip. And they, they were pretty serious about their faith, their Jewish faith. They actually sent an email saying, hey, please excuse my kids from your Christian talk. You know, like when we, have, we had a little time together where we would discuss, you know, we shared the gospel, basically. But this mom said, hey, these are these, my son and his two friends are Jewish. Please excuse them from the talk. And so we were saying, okay, well, we can do that because we're not going to, like, say you can go skiing, but you have to sit through our Christian talk if you want to do that. We were saying, okay, we'll, we'll work on this. We will we'll relationally try to build a bridge to these students. We had um, a girlfriend of one of our students come who doesn't go to our church and doesn't attend church regularly. We had uh, an, some of our non-believing covenant kids, kids who are, go to our church, but they, they're not really believers. And, and so they may not be attracted to youth ministry, but they love the idea of going skiing, and they came on this trip. Um, we also had kids who have had a hard time. They've kind of been on the fringe of our ministry for a while on the outside. They felt like outsiders. And they, they said, you know, I'm having a hard time fitting in, but boy, I really want to go skiing. So they came on this trip. And this ski trip, we were able to do, to build bridges through all of this. What was amazing, John Parham, one of our interns right here sitting, he, he actually stayed in the room with the Jewish kids. And guess what? The first night when we, had our, when we shared the gospel and had that meeting, there they showed up. They said, well, what are you guys going to do? And I said, well, I think you guys should, you know, come if you want to, if you're curious, just to satisfy your curiosity, come hear the talk. And I found out later talking to John that because he was skiing with them some and doing snowboarding with them and hanging out with them in the room, they thought John was really cool, which he is. And they said, you know what? We aren't really interested, but because you're talking, we'll come. We want to hear what you have to say. And that's youth ministry. We try to build a relational bridge to students. And then when we had Candy Crush this week, guess what happened? One of those Jewish boys walked right in to our event on Sunday night at a church. And he came again. Uh, and, and the girlfriend who had came on the retreat, who... who who wasn't uh, involved in our ministry and wasn't going to church, said, I'm going to start coming to your church. And they started to come. Uh, the things that we're trying to accomplish, one of the things is we want events to be an incubator for relationships. We try to create an environment, kind of like what the connect groups at the church has been doing recently, right? And we try to build an environment where we can build relationships with students, where our staff can build relationships with students, and where students can build relationships with each other. And that, and we try to create an environment to do that. We want to have shared memories. You feel a part of the group when you share memories with that group. And that's important. If you have no shared memories with a group, you feel like an outsider. And that's what we do. We do retreats because kids can get away, they build memories together, and relationships are formed because they have shared memories. If you didn't go on the retreat and everybody else did, then they're talking about stuff that happened on the retreat. They have shared memories together. You don't. You feel like an outsider. That's how it works. And what happens, unfortunately, is so many kids will avoid retreats and things like that because they don't know anybody, and it's a snowball effect. The more they don't go to things, the more they don't know anybody. The more they don't know anybody, the more they feel like an outsider, the more they don't want to go on things. And so it's a huge uh, effect. Like I said before, we want to lower barriers to church and so that non-Christians would want to come. We want to have positive experiences inside this church building. 
We want kids to go, I love going to that place. Okay? You, you realize even the bricks in junior high, when they open it on Friday night, that lowers that barrier for those kids who come and attend. Is they, they go, I've had positive experiences in that building. And it lowers that barrier so they may want to come again. Um, and then we build relational bridges from our, for our core kids and for our staff to kids who come. Uh, Young Life has a statement that is definitely true in youth ministry. Kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so that takes time. So we try to spend time with your kids because they don't care what we know until they know we care. And last thing, and I'll close with this, is, is I want your kids to want to be here. And so if you have to fight with your kids every week and say, hey, you need to go to church, hey, you need to go, oh, but it's boring, or I hate, you know, I don't ever, you know, you hear those kinds of things. And sometimes that's a, that's a window into their heart. It could be that what we're doing is great and fun, and they just don't want to come because they don't want Jesus. You do have to be aware of that, okay? Your kids will tell you what they want you to hear. If you're curious about what we're doing and not sure, and if they say it's boring and everything, you come stand in the back and check it out and see what you think. Uh, I think you would find that what we do, we put a lot of time and energy and effort into the things that we're doing to make it interesting and engaging for this next generation. Um, But come and see what it is. We want your kids to say, please take me. I want to be there. Uh, We want them to have that experience with church. Um, So those, I just thought you might want a little insight into why we do fun things. Uh, We are trying to build that bridge to your kids relationally so that they will hear the gospel. That kid who was here last week, he may have come because somebody said there was going to be a chocolate fountain. But you know what? He heard the gospel while he was here. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. And we try to do it on an age-appropriate level. Paul said, again, I will do all things. I become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel. You know, he was pretty serious about that. I don't know if you remember, in Acts chapter 16, he, he circumcised Timothy for the sake of uh, ministering to the Jews. So I figured if he can do that, we can have a chocolate fountain every once in a while. I don't know. I'd rather go skiing than get circumcised. Yes? Watershed is our high school ministry, and it is ninth grade through 12th grade, Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Yes, and our junior high ministry is 7th grade, 7th and 8th grade, and they meet Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in Ignite. It's called, uh, well, J-High is the name of our junior high ministry, and uh, they have several different things. They have the Bricks. Friday night is open from 7 to 10 at the Bricks, and they have a a program at the front end. So from 7 to 8 is a gospel-centered program for the Bricks, and then from 8 o'clock to 10, they have open hours. Uh, with basketball courts and the rock wall and all of those things uh, are open. And then um, they do a Sunday morning program from 9 to 10.15, and then they have discipleship with a large group program Sunday night at 6.30 for the junior high. Everything for Watershed is from 5 to 8 on Sunday night. Yes. Oh, yeah, we, we feed the kids Sunday night as well. If they come, we know that they get hungry from 5 to 7 or five to eight. So we have what we call dollar dinner, and we feed the kids um, during that time period as well. Uh, at 6.30. Any other questions about what I just mentioned or any of that? Um, we do have a few announcements. Let me hit those real quick.
Uh, Gold Rush regular signups. The servant team signups are over. So Gold Rush is, if you don't know what that is, if you're new to our church again, Gold Rush is a student-led conference we do the second week of July. It's always the week after the 4th of July. And there's usually about 800 or 900 kids here, and our students run that conference. The servant team signups ended at the end of February, but regular signup, if you want your child to attend, and that's junior high through high school, can attend this conference. And that's going to be open for the next three months. The early bird registration, you just save $25 um, to sign up now. And that is so that you will sign up sooner rather than later, is why we give an early bird. Uh, and then we have a mission trip to Brazil, and we're having the deadline, uh, I believe it's next week, next Sunday, is the deadline for that. And that's primarily because we have to send passports off for visas, and, and we're going to go minister and do evangelism and some mercy ministry in Brazil, and uh, the evangelism is for the people who are coming to the World Cup. So that's the idea there, and um, that, that trip's going to be right around, I think around $3,000 if you want to come to that. I wanted to make you aware of that. And then also, Parent U, we always do it the first Sunday of the month, or we try to. There's things in the church calendar that keep that from happening. Next Parent U is going to actually be the 30th. Uh, so it's the end of this month. We're doing it on the 30th. And the reason is, I don't know if you've really looked at the calendar, April is a mess this year. I mean, there's Easter. There's two different spring breaks. There's, it's so crazy that we don't want to interfere with your family's plans on your vacation schedule. We want you to enjoy Easter and, and all of those things. So we are having two this month. So we had today and then the 30th, uh, we are also having Parent U. And we're going to go back to communicating with your teen uh, will be the subject matter on, we could really talk about communicating with your teen for month after month after month. So we're going to hit that subject again at the end of this month. So I wanted to make you aware of that. Um, and then you and have I was going to just remind y'all that we have the Parent You Facebook page, and we're blogging and talking, trying to build community. And so I would love for you guys to comment or connect or talk about the topics that we're talking about. And then the other thing I just wanted to share with you all is I did a Bible study for women on becoming a soulmate that um, I'm going to hopefully lead a group of women through this summer. So if that's something you're interested in or if you wanted to get the study and lead it with your group, it's $15 for the book, and um, you just talk to me if that's something you're interested in. So, All right. Well, that's it for today. Y'all have a great day, and uh, we'll see you on the 30th. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the Student Ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.